Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 90 with... Joseph Makos and... Joseph Biavenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Alright, so we are going to try out here a new thing. We're going to bring in some technology and we're going to have somebody call into the show today. So we're going to call Schaefer Hall here. One of our poet friends who uh, has been working in the bar industry, sort of an uh, interesting uh, fella uh, who's uh, starting a new bar up in Austin, Texas uh, called The Front Page. And we're going to have him call in today from Austin. So here we go. And he's going to talk to us, I think, a little bit about a... Collaborative work he's doing. Yeah, collaborative. With some artists. Ekphrastic poetry. All right, here we go. How's it going, guys? It's really good. Yeah, we're, um, to, we're, to give you a little breakdown of where, where we are, we're like in this uh, print shop, art studio, archive space over in uh, New Orleans. Uh, on a street uptown called O.C. Haley or Aretha Castle Haley, but but it's uh, we're recording from sort of the upstairs little like um, office area overlooking the art gallery studio space. It's 1890s uh, uh, tin tin ceilings, 16 foot ceilings in this place. Um, so we're we're up here in this really beautiful tin uh, surrounding, overlooking the street, and uh, the sun is. Gorgeous today, and we're overlooking the print shop with letter presses and paper and all sorts of crazy stuff. I think I've uh, I think I've seen pictures of it on somebody's Facebook feed, maybe. Cool. I am uh, I am in uh, my little house in the uh, backyard of another house in East Austin. Uh, it's a nice day here too. You got chickens running around out back. There are no. Chickens, uh, there's uh, my landlords, or the you know, the folks who live in the front house, they do feed a lot of birds, uh, which brings a lot of pigeons because we're close to downtown, and then that brings hawks. So sometimes I'll see a hawk uh, dive bomb a pigeon, and that's always that's a pretty, that's exciting, cool. pretty exciting thing to see in the backyard. Yeah, it's better than those little chicken hawks. More exciting for me than for the pigeon, I assume. Probably <laughs> better better those pigeons than than someone's cat or you know small child. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on who you're asking. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man. So we 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 you know we've got this poetry podcast, and we're just here. We are. We're, you're on a show. We um are uh, always thinking about ways that poetry is you know troubling or troubled or challenges or struggles or things we love things we hate things we love to hate are you loving anything right now are you uh are you uh yeah well currently i've been really enjoying i've been working on these collaborations with uh my friend john cotter uh and uh lately we uh we've been working on this project of we've been working on ekphrastic poems so we've been doing poems based on art by our friends 
So I've particularly been loving that lately because it means I get to reach out to a lot of different people in the community uh, instead of just uh, working quietly in a room by myself. Um, yeah, yeah, that's nice. So is there like a plan to present the art along that work, alt- along with the poems ultimately? Or? Yeah, some sort of, yeah, we'll try to put it together in some sort of book form, you know, either chapbook or otherwise, depending on how many we get together. But yeah, we'll put the poem next to the, and we've been, we've been submitting some to some uh, journals kind of individually. And then, uh, you know, the idea is if they get accepted, we will then, you know, explain to them what's going on and they can either take the art that goes with it or not, you know, based on their format. Um, it's not necessary, uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely fun. I know like you guys, you guys have a good community. Like you guys, it, it seems like when I first met you guys, you kind of, you kind of came with your own community up in New York. Like you guys just showed up and the party was already going on. Um, that's a really useful thing. I thought that you oh, guys yeah, yeah. particularly good to talk about this because y'all, uh, y'all are a close-knit group. Yeah, and I think that's always nice when you... That, I like that idea a lot because you're bringing in artists into the mix too, which is always a great, you know, yeah. cross-pollination. <laughs> yeah. Something else you guys are probably interested too in an art gallery down there, over there. Some of yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's always good too. It's it's um, it's like the dialogue. I'm sure, like it's almost like you know, you've got the art and you've got the dialogue and the the history or the sort of uh, uh, story of how that art came together, and then you have the poem, which is like has a story in and of itself, and then there's like a dialogue that happens between. That's almost like a third part of it, you know, like because you've got the the plastic art, then you got the language, but the dialogue and the relationship with that artist is like the third part that sometimes can be revealed and sometimes goes unseen. Can you talk about that at all? Yes, that is definitely true. And, you know, one of the interesting things about that that kind of dialogue is, you know, John and I have been collaborating for 20 years now. We have literally written thousands of poems. And... Uh, this is the this is the first time uh, that I have ever that we have ever uh, finished a poem and been like this poem is just not you know what it needs to be. We need to entirely start. Over. You know, obviously we've edited poems, we've changed poems, but for the first time, uh, and it's because we have this other. Uh, source that you know that we feel like needs to live the the poem has to do justice even though the poem can stand alone narratively the poem has to do justice to the art it has to be at least as good as our friends are otherwise we're doing <laughs> you know we're doing a real disservice to it so yeah, for, yeah. for the first time in in 20 years we've been we've it's it's happened once now in this project that we've just been like we need to just throw this one out and start it over entirely. <laughs> so that's a, that's a funny way that this project has changed the way we do things. Uh, and it's, it's been really fun. It's been really exciting. It's also, you know, I, I you, you never set out to write a bad poem, right? Um, 
you hope that all of them are good in some way, have some redeeming value, yeah. or then they go sit in, you know, in your special little file drawer, and you know nobody nobody ever sees them again. Uh, but this, you know, you have you have a certain bar that you have you absolutely have to live up to when you're writing, uh, and that's really exciting. That's another, you know, it's just another thing that that makes it different from. You know when how we write poems usually. I don't, you know, I guess everybody does it differently. Yeah. Obviously, nobody sets a, sets out to write a bad poem, but um, I think there are some people who who feel like they've never written the poem that they set out to write. You know, like the people who have yeah. extremely high demands for themselves. Uh, and then I, I think I'm the opposite end of that spectrum. I definitely like maybe I should have higher demands for my own poetry. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's really interesting to have this uh, have this defined defined for us, you know. Where, do, where, do you where, find like since you're using different different artists, do the, does the style of the poems change based on the style of the art a lot? Or absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting to see how you know. In you know, I think we all know this in the back of our heads. But uh, you know, a somebody who has sent us, you know, a weird photo montage, you know, a bunch of you know things that they've cut up and jammed together, you know, that uh, that that ends up, uh, you know, manifesting the poem ends up, you know, reflecting that style definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know, it's um, you know something that might maybe more conventionally beautiful and. Uh, you know, dramatic and uh, contrasty. Yeah, it definitely manifests. Uh, the poem ends up ends up different. It's been a lot. Of, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's, and you know, it's interesting to have these these things that you kind of know in the back of your head. Uh, you know, almost subconsciously have them uh, have them. You know, defined more specifically for you. You know, just by doing a slightly different project than you normally doing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you have one of these you can share with us today? Yeah, let's see here. I should have uh, should have been more ready. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> we'll just cut this fumbling part out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this gives it texture. It just, uh, gives us uh, it gives a better understanding to our audience about what's going on in the uh, behind the scenes. True, true. I don't know if they need to know that though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely sitting on a very old chair, so if you hear the squeaking, <laughs> that's how I did it on purpose. But all right, here's one called the Toad Inspector. Uh, the and we just we take the title directly from the title of the artist's work. So this is from a painting called The Toad Inspector by our friend Steve Griffin. I keep my enemies close and amphibians closer, but the grim little greenies deceive me, each eye a fragment of punctuation, stopping mid-journey from sea to land, reconsidering the wisdom of life between divided states, cleaving under and over, blurring me between them and them and me, and my breasts get shorter, but somehow I groan in lungs. They're lying around my workshop somewhere, 
camouflaged amidst these sometime friends of mine, little green souls, little green dreams, little soldiers in a quiet army that rubs its skin against my own each night asleep. Epidermis, osmosis, oxygenation. Uh, you know, that's an interesting one. I, uh, I think some of the poems definitely stand fine on their own. And then some of the some of them are vastly improved by seeing the uh, by seeing the source work. Um, I was tr I was trying to imagine what the the art would look like as yeah. I was listening to the poem, <laughs> but and I, all I could see is someone some sort of carpenter with toads all over the place in his in his workshop. <laughs> that, that is extremely close to what you you got very close with that. Uh, with that mental picture, the uh, you know it's funny. Uh, the other, you know, the I was thinking about uh, when I was reading that out loud. You know, working with John for as long as uh, I have, we there's definitely times when I feel like a line stands out as totally a Schaefer Hall line or another line that's totally a John Cotter line. Yeah. You know, it just seems like that must be. Uh, but I, I would say the vast majority, 95% of the poems, are more like this one that I just read, in which I could not tell you in a million years who wrote any one of those. Part, yeah. <laughs> lines. Wow. And I, I think that that's, those are the ones that I'd probably also consider the most successful. Um... Can you put out a book with like a new name of a new person that's like both of you together? Like if you would, if you would take both of your characters and voices and names and maybe smash it all together and do like and take all the letters from both names and put them together into a new name. That could be like I'd put a chapbook out of that. Po of, of that. I think uh, yeah. I think uh, and I you know I, I, I like I said I think we picked picked out the poems that specifically live up to that. You know, the, the, the ones that really do feel like they're a poem that neither of us would have individually writ have written. Uh, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's worth creating an entirely new person for, definitely. So when y'all do your, do y'all collaborate in the same way every time? Are y'all sitting in the same room doing this, or do you just kind of... Are you staring at the art of the art gallery, or? or are you hanging out with the artists? Are you doing, like, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of... What kind of no, he's uh, he's in Denver, and uh, we have I don't we have never lived in this apart from one semester when we were teenagers at Emerson College in Boston. Uh, we have we have never lived in the same town. We we've always done it over email, mm -hmm. and it's like we've been doing it pretty much since email became a common thing. Um, and we've done it all different ways. Um, we've done it word by word. We've done it line by line. We've uh, the the easiest the the way that it flows most easily is uh, is not to necessarily put too much uh, to put too many rules on it. Just write a little bit and then add a little bit and then send it back. Send it back. Um, email obviously makes this whole thing a lot easier. A lot easier to keep organized. Yeah, yeah. But we would, we would, we would, I think we would still do it without email. I think it would be fun to do it over 
You know, snail mail, yeah. <laughs> we would not be nearly as prolific. You just have to be doing multiple ones at once, but that might get confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing about the process is uh, what's exciting for me is um, I feel like we're a lot more inclined to. It lends itself more easily to working in form. Um, and so, you know, so either classic forms or sometimes forms that you create yourself, uh, it, it lends itself to that. Uh, I think, you know, then just, you know, the, to have the construction of the poem so, uh, so formatted, you know, as in, you know, you build a little here, you build a little there. You know, if you're sitting down by yourself, you might be trying to imagine a whole poem in your head. And if if you uh, if you're working in form, then that can be maddening, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so you have to force it into that form, then. But so taking it piece by piece like this makes working in form much easier, and uh, it's it's and a, and a lot of fun too. So that's cool. We, uh, yeah, um, and then you know, always looking for new inspiration like the uh the ecclesiastic stuff and this the interesting thing about use another interesting thing about using the art as source material is now you definitely have something that the poem's about because it can be very tempting when you're writing with somebody else you know they write a line and you know full well what that line means and yet you want to smash up that narrative in with your next line, yeah, like, yeah. very tempting to do that sort of thing, um, and that's fine. You know, that's that's a fun, that's a fun dynamic to have, uh, but it can also be very frustrating for whoever wants, you know, whoever has the stronger idea of what the poem's about in their mind. With this one, obviously, there's still some of that going on, but obviously, you can just go back and say, no, this this is what the poem is about. <laughs> there's yeah, yeah. <laughs> This, this, uh, you know, uh, either, either lends itself to that or does not. It's, so that's, that's really good. Well, you have a little bit of a map. You have, you have something to guide you. You have, you have yeah. something to guide you along the way. And that's the nature of, I, I suppose, that's the nature of ekphrastic work is that you're, you're having this sort of like cerebral interaction with your, you know, your take or you're trying to, paint a narrative that's within the piece or a reaction to the piece or something about the moment in which you're, you're viewing the piece and how you're inspired by the piece. There's so many different modes, I suppose, that can work. you can work in in the ekphrastic, but at least you're, at least you're always anchored in the, in the piece itself. So you can always blame it back on the piece, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, you know... How often, you know, when I review write, write poems, how often would you say you know exactly what you're writing about? Uh, I, I would say almost never. I try not to, right? Isn't that... But, yeah, to begin the poem. Yeah, it, it almost never happens for me either. Uh, I'm sure that there, are other, that there are other folks who are different like that. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting to, you know, kind of be... And... You know, it is an entirely different form of art, so you, there is still plenty of freedom there. You know, it's not like you get tied down. Oh yeah. Because you you know you're doing something entirely different, but uh, yeah. You got another one for us? Do you have another poem you can? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
And uh, I can get it up a little faster this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take your time. While you're doing that, while you're doing that. Um, is it different? Is any of the art, like, more abstract, where it, where there's not a narrative that lends itself to the poem, necessarily? Uh, yes. That's, oh, yeah, so that's a good one, uh, right? The, the Toad Inspector poem was, that was a very, uh, that's a very literal piece of art. Um, it's, it does show a guy sitting there holding a toad and looking at it. So, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. For, for this next one, I will read you a poem that is very much from an abstract piece of art. Do you have the art? Yeah, we'll have you send these to us so we can show people if we can. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll get clear. I'll get to. I'll get the sign off from the uh, both of these artists. Won't mind at all. But yeah, then you can put it on the show 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 page or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll link to we'll link to their we'll link to their uh, their sites or whatever they want. Cool. Uh, this next one is called Untitled. Uh, it's from uh, the artist is Elizabeth Williams. To those who will tell you marriage is just a piece of paper, I submit this piece of paper. See the standard corners, one for a husband, one for a wife, and two more for the others we might find ourselves become. Somewhere between a prayer said aloud and the folding of an unsent letter, intention spoken one way and written another, smoke that brings a message to another land, we find ourselves on a vast eight and a half by fourteen plane, standing too far apart. Fold the paper in half, and I can reach you from across this country, people by letters, numbers, and words. Oh, I like that one. Like an Ars Poetica. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a, there was definitely, yeah, that was fun because there was, you know, there's a dialogue there going on between the actual things that art and poems are done upon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that art would look like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's exciting. That's um, Yeah, yeah, when you read yeah, because it's an untitled, I suppose, which a lot of art is untitled, but I I, I also have no idea what that piece of art like uh, that you just read the ekphrastic poem from even would look like it is very, it is very abstract it's, oh it's very abstract okay Elizabeth does really neat stuff like show off and just um, she does really amazing stuff that's almost more like uh, more as much about the chemical process as anything like you know like creating glazes and stuff wow. uh, you know she's like in her studio, she's always like burning things and setting stuff on fire. Um, in addition, you know, it's a, it's pretty exciting. She's got an ex exciting little studio. Wow, that's fun. Yeah, I really like the part in there of the folding, the folding the paper in half to meet you. Yeah, and that seems like something that would have been a hard line to to come upon if you tried to get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, you know, I know, uh, there's, I think, you know, like this idea emerged in the process of that, at least for me, I couldn't speak for John, but, of you know, a, you know, a contract, uh, and then 
a con- you know a contract for for a marriage in you know in as much as a marriage is a legal entity, and then that being you know this uh, strange way to define an entire life, um, and then you know and then that being something on paper and that being kind of a different version of what a poem is doing on a piece of paper. A poem is telling a much larger story on just one piece of paper in the same way that a contract tells a much bigger story on its one piece of paper you know, in a different way. Uh, might have, might have. And, and in a poem where you've got essentially three collaborators coming together on it. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's a different kind of marriage, isn't it? Yeah. It is a different kind of marriage, right. And like one thing, one thing's like a legal, you know, like, you know, I think about this all the time too because like, I, I suppose your poem can be as big as the work of art is, you know, or bigger to explain the ekphrastic sense of sensibilities uh, that you're playing with, you know. So, you know, you have, a, you have three voices. It becomes a new person, a new voice in and of itself. Your poem can be as big or bigger or, or whatever as in relationship of the plastic piece you're writing about. And, you know, there's like this, uh, this like, specific nuance that I suppose you can get lost in, this landscapes or uh, how you decide to drop in, you know, like uh, a painting, like they say, what, a a painting is worth a thousand words? A picture is worth a thousand words, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think you guys would agree that that exchange rate never made entire entire, entire sense to me. (laughs) Is there a a poem? Can you write a poem that's worth a thousand pictures? Yeah, I think you can, definitely. That's why, you know, like, I think any poet would say that exchange rate doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I hope it would depend on the picture, too. Yeah, oh, a, picture, a picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> Some pictures aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Oh, so that's, that's true. Some pictures are not worth the paper they're printed on. Or the canvas they're painted on, I don't know. And there are, and there are definitely poems that call to mind well beyond a thousand, of Im- a thousand images. Oh, yeah. And, you know... Sometimes there's one line of poetry that calls to mind a thousand images. <laughs> that, uh, uh, but yeah, that marriage uh, and kind of what Joe was getting at. Uh, the uh, I think it's really fun for the audience too um, to know that all of this is going on. Like I did a reading for the East Austin Studio Tour. Um, for an East Austin studio tour stop, and uh, you know it was it was without the it was without the art, um, and you know people really enjoyed you know having that. There's you know a, a mystery, and there's there's something for the audience to do in picturing that art, and that's actually also something that I've always thought was fun about collaborative work. Like I think particularly people who know both John and I, but also just, you know, random people, when they read a collaborative work, like to try to, you know, piece out, you know, they, they try to look for the scenes in it, you know, and say, you know, oh, this is probably this person, and this is probably where it changed. Um, yeah. It, it becomes like a little a little mystery to solve or something, or, you know, just a, a, another fun way to engage with the piece uh, would be another way of saying it. Um I was just thinking about how powerful that could be, like, by doing readings with projections of art or, you know, I mean, it would be better if the piece was wheeled out, if each piece was individually wheeled out on its own, 
you know, like a uh, stand or something, of course, but, um, you know, like, uh, but how cool would it be to, how power, how cool and powerful it could be to show people big giant projections of the artwork as you read, you know, these pieces about it. And I think whenever we release, you know, you know, however this thing manifests in its full length form, uh, we will definitely do something, uh, you know, either, you know, we'll, we'll have all the, uh, paintings, you know, set up in gallery form, or maybe, like you said, we'll do something with a projector. That That's a great idea, actually. Uh, but we'll do something like that, uh, you know, for a reading whenever the time comes to to uh, unveil the, the full finished product. It'd almost be cool if it could be some sort of, but it's hard because the titles of the works or the titles of the poems, some sort of guessing game where... You read the poems, but people don't necessarily know which art goes to which poem except by... Yeah, and I think that that's why, you know, I think probably, you know, doing it in gallery form is uh, probably the best way to do it, because then, you know, that can, it can be your decision. You can either go look at all the all the art first yeah. and, and take careful notes, and then you can know exactly what, you know, when you hear the poems read aloud, or you can listen to the whole reading and then walk around afterwards and try to piece it all together. Yeah, yeah, which would be kind of fun, I think. Yeah. That's what I'd want to do is try to guess. <laughs> well, cool. That sounds like a really cool project. It's been, it's been super fun, yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I We were thinking about questions to ask you, and uh, I was thinking about I was thinking about um, asking you if you wanted to wax a little bit about like what it's like being a poet who who runs a bar. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> Does that get you into trouble? Do you find things that cross over between it? You know, and do you do you find yourself using poetry every day in your work as a as a as a as a bar manager? Uh, well, definitely. It all you know, you always have something to talk about with you know with a customer. That can be a, that's a pretty important thing to have um, when you know, particularly if you want to get if you want to get the conversation away from certain. Uh, inflammatory subjects in this day and age. <laughs> it's a good thing to be able to have as well, to have as many things as possible to talk about when you're bartending. Uh, as far as being a bar manager, a bar owner, or a bar proprietor, um, it's a uh, it, well then you know that's a high stress job. So it's pretty important to have something else that is quiet and meditative that you're doing. Uh, so that's useful in that regard. Also, you know. Being a bartender, you get you get provided with so much material. Oh yeah, bad. <laughs> talking, talking to people every day, um, but uh, you know, I think every almost every poet, uh, you know, has this other job that they do, right? Other full time thing that they do to make money, and, uh, and 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 I think that that's fine. I think that keeps an artist grounded and keeps you from turning into some kind of weird shit bag or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, or yeah. bad poet. Uh, yeah. Or or that, yeah. Or yeah, worst of all perhaps. Um <laughs> that's, that's probably the same thing, right? Succumbing too much to your own uh dark dark inner life. <laughs> but also uh you know like kinda of like I was saying before, uh, you know, it's it can be hard for a poet, you know, to necessarily find a good community um, and you know, getting getting you know 
going crazy by yourself um, is something that can happen to people. So, yeah, definitely. definitely. A, a, you know, a bar is a is kind of a prefab community, uh, so that's that's a good thing too. Yeah, you get to play that like confessional. You know, I always think of like the bartender sort of plays this role as like this sort of like confessional boost booth with the with the priest. It kind of goes back to this like church type thing, you know, like yeah. Bartenders, bartenders are priests. Bartenders are lawyers. Bartenders are are uh, psychiatrists. They're a little of everything. Yeah, based on what people need, and people are very needy. Uh, and all those needs come out after a couple drinks. Yeah, they should. They sure do. Hey guys, just a sec. My landlord is. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Go, go do what you need to. <laughs> Bill. Yeah, I'll quick drive a title plan in the basement. It probably needs to come out. I can't lift it oh. anytime you feel like it. You ought to go ahead and put it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thanks. plant <laughs> it's, it's come out of the basement wow no i mean there's a lot of things your landlord can come over and ask you about like you can say like hey man like uh here's a pack of new uh here's a pack of new filters for the furnace or hey there's a uh, i know that that back room is a little a little cold a little drafty um here's some insulation and an extra space heater uh, Man, you've had some nice landlords. <laughs> if that's what they're coming over, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I just made that shit up. He's really good. Bill's dad was a landscape, was like a landscape guy, uh, and so Bill's really good with the plants. And I'm bad about it, so I have an avocado tree in a little pot, and Bill's the only reason that it's still alive, and so. I think he, he put it down in the basement garage because uh, we uh, had a freeze coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I've, I, I've never had any luck with avocados. Uh, avocado plants, I find they're kind of finicky. Yeah. They die easily. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, you have to have it really in, in, in like, a, the perfect situation and it doesn't grow an avocado for what five years four years well and you need a male and a female you need a male and a female okay yeah yeah i'm I'm not expecting any actual avocado (laughs) of this guy to be honest but they're cool plants even anyway even without producing fruit (laughs) can you did you grow it from seed yeah um actually elizabeth uh who the the artist uh, for that second poem, uh, her and her husband, they like keep every avocado seed they ever get and start them and then just give them away. So, oh, wow. wow, that's a nice little kind of Johnny Appleseed type thing to do. Yeah, yeah, they're fun folks. Well, hey man, uh, that's been a great, great uh, having you on the show today and talking about some 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 good heartfelt stuff. Uh, it's it's a really great it's really great to hear it's inspiring um, to hear your experience doing these types of poems makes me wanna makes me wanna engage too uh, uh, in in certain ways uh, more so as a writer engaging more with artists and you know I mean we're we're kind of been taking on the role as artists kind of trying to cross that bridge into visual poetry a lot more these days but it's something that you can learn a lot from 
you can learn a lot from other art, artists by writing about their art and maybe in turn, you know, picking up on some some new things, but you kind of do it in a different way. So it's like another part of the, it's another part of the narrative about ekphrastic work is another part of the narrative of building the bridge between visual art and, and literary arts. Yeah. You bet. That's been really fun talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Do you have any, uh, anything, anything you want to plug? Or anything, anything you want to plug? Coming up at all? Publications, anything? No, uh, the new bar, the front page, opens in Austin uh, in February. Oh, that's rad. Okay. Nice. So if any of your listeners make it make it to Austin and want to come by for a drink, uh, please stop by. Are you uh, okay? And is there any, like, um, do you guys do any uh, reading series there or anything? Or? We definitely will start some sort of a reading series there, well, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Bienvenue and I will have to come back to Austin for a spell and um, come and read. Make a little read journey, yeah. You guys should definitely do that. That uh, that reading y'all did at New York with with me in New York at the four, in New York at the Four Case that was super fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I guess you know if you want to uh, put somewhere you know that put my email address there somewhere so if folks do want to try to set up a reading in Austin, uh, we could probably start doing that. You know, for kind of next spring, summer, fall. Um, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's cool. It's, it's always nice to have um, uh, an opportunity to come in and do something. And uh, my favorite place to read, man, is at, is at bars. So I would prefer to read at a bar, even though, you know, I, I, than almost any other type of venue, bookstore uh, or, uh, or uh, uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, 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 an auditorium. I'd rather read at a bar. <laughs> you know? I agree with that 100%. All right. Well, cool. Thanks for calling. Thanks for uh, thanks for today, man. Appreciate it, and uh, wish you well out there at the front page in Austin. You bet. You take care, guys. Uh, you too. Bye.